1: welcome back to episode number 14 of the no bad days podcast i'm taver i'm here with the boys johnny and marty what's up boys what's going on fellas howdy how we doing well we just we're hanging out all day so you know how i'm doing but that's <laughs> cool. we're not we don't have to
2: ask each other that anymore because we're, yeah. not, we're not thirty thousand kilometers apart yeah. anymore
1: we're like hey how's it going uh dude i just saw you on the couch like uh, 30 yeah. seconds remember, we when was, to...
2: remember when i was remember when i sat beside you for five hours straight <laughs> <laughs> we watched those six movies all day every day yeah. for the last two weeks and then you're like oh oh yeah no so you're good <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Good. well no we've been here for one full week uh starting last thursday i guess so we've been here almost two full weeks now yeah, yeah. so we're getting we're starting school tomorrow everyone just so you know class Ooh. is going to be in full effect. Oh. wednesday september 8th of 2021 we will be in class doing that learning stuff
3: that what, everyone loves what's, uh what's one class you guys are looking forward to this semester
1: none of them really yeah i'm looking forward to the one i'm taking with you I the, Actually, the look sports medicine at, yeah we're gonna learn how to tape up ankles and yeah. stuff like that it's gonna That'll be, be cool. one
2: i got like econ math higher end <laughs> courses
1: <laughs> high i com-
2: i couldn't say that with a straight face i'm sorry <laughs>
3: Oh, those are hard. I'm I don't sure. think even yeah. when you...
2: <laughs> I don't even know if that's sarcasm or not. Anyways. It might be, it might not. I don't we, know. Uh, hey, I'll let you know how it goes, though.
1: But uh, this week, we've been just chilling. We've been working out, skating, and we played a couple rounds of golf together, which was always fun.
2: Yeah. yeah except uh, today was a disaster. Yeah,
1: today, we, Johnny and I were out today, and it was windy. Like, we saw this lady walking a dog balloon. <laughs> um we we saw a turtle on the course though
2: so. we did we
1: actually tried did did, did you guys it? get that sound? Yeah. no we didn't uh, yeah. it. no we it was crawling all along the fairway so i picked it up and then franklin um <laughs> i put it in frizz's cart but then he he went and put it back in the, in the water we had it for so long
2: too but we were gonna put it in their cart to like scare them and it was like perfect they were both in the cart but then yeah. the fucking marshall came yeah and oh, he's man. like hey boys how's it going and we're like oh we gotta act, like have some like decency so yeah so we're like actual, actual.
1: We, fed yeah. him, we fed him a couple leaves and, and towers i like, got it between his legs yeah <laughs> It was a, a nice turtle. turtle. Snapper. No, it wasn't a snapper. It was a nice turtle. We named him Arnold. Arnold. Um, and then we put him back in the in the water where he belongs. So he doesn't. He was trying to cross the road and stuff. So we picked him yeah, up before he did. We that. picked him up right on the fairways. So basically, we're like animal saviors. I would say. Yeah. No, yeah. I
2: honestly think like Peter or something should give us like a medal. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Hey, if you're listening, safety officers. Uh, we live at uh, so and so, uh, and yeah. send it to us. We live at. <laughs> <laughs> Our address is actually. A... Um,
2: oh, that mic must have cut out. Yeah.
1: Oh, no. um, so, Marty, uh, what did you get up to today? We didn't see you at all.
3: Uh we actually went down to Duluth and checked out some of the the merch, and oh yeah, did some more final touches on that. So yeah. Oh yeah. That's about all we did, and then me and y'all watched a couple movies and worked out did you get some school supplies i did not oh. i meant to go buy school supplies so today. the one thing on your list today you didn't do yeah I <laughs> you, got, you got
2: sidetracked by literally everything else they
3: convinced me not to go get school supplies and watch another movie <laughs> they're like dude you don't need them yet it's syllabus week i'm like uh, that, that okay. is true
2: you kind of just show up twirl a pencil
3: yeah. but I guess, I, know, you, I guess you need one to twirl one I don't know. My icebreaker will be senior year because i'm taking uh, the intro classes Oh yeah! So it'll be like the freshmen will all be in that class, and we're gonna be doing icebreakers. Like, "Hi, I'm Jordan. Uh, I'm 24." <laughs> they're gonna, Hi, be, like, yeah. yeah. uh, they're gonna Hi, be like, "I'm 18." No, they're gonna be six years older than you.
1: It's, <laughs> gonna, be like, it's gonna be like, "Hey, uh, two truths and one lie." Um, 24. Uh, my name's Jordan, and I have three dogs. They're like, "Oh, you're definitely not 24." you're like ah that's actually a truth yeah. i only have one dog yeah i
2: i graduated high school when you were in elementary school
1: yeah, so. so yeah we're getting up there in age but hey that's all right everyone goes at their own pace yeah, We're in we're no rush. It. senior year baby senior year for us not john john's got a couple years left yeah i got it.
2: i'm in junior third year
3: you're a junior eh
2: yeah all, so, you know but you're taking
3: high-end uh comm courses high-end <laughs> they're
1: high-end i tell you well um We have uh, today's intro kind of just us three is going to be kind of short because we have an hour long interview. We were able to get uh, Clint Malarchuk and Chuck Thus, two former professional hockey goalies. Um, One played in the NHL for like 10 years and the other one has a really interesting story through journey of hockey. So we're going to, we had a nice long interview with them, which we touched on a bunch of stuff. So today it's just going to be short for us three and then you're going to get a nice long interview where we touch on a bunch of stuff, which is going to be good, I think.
3: Definitely. Yeah.
1: Uh, I, think, uh, I think everyone will like that one. I hope so. I think I thought it was like really good.
2: Yeah. And it went really smooth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. These guys it. are beauties.
1: Um, so, yeah, we're looking forward to you guys hearing that. Uh, let us know what you think. Definitely. If we can do anything better, if there's anything else you want us to touch on on future episodes, definitely just let us know. We can definitely work it in.
3: Um, oh, yeah. What else funny happened this week? Anything uh, else? What are your uh, guys' hits different? This week oh, it's different. Uh, it's different in an intro.
1: That hits different. <laughs> <laughs> it's different. I don't know. I didn't really think of mine this week. Um, we got one.
2: Getting well, I got my shoes and stuff today. Oh yeah, so that's good. And like there was some, you know, my mom tossed in some other treats in there because you know she's just a wonderful lady. So uh, yeah, I guess uh, some. Surprise male.
1: At, at, at mail, school. yeah,
3: like mayonnaise. Mail, oh, mail, mail, yeah, mail with no. an, like Ma- m i m a oh. i l.
1: Wait, how do you spell it? M a i l, I'm sure. Mail, are you it, sure? It sounds like you're saying, is it my Are you sure?
2: Fuck. Is that not how you
1: spell <laughs> it, anyways? I don't know how do you spell it one more
2: time. M-A-I-L. Yeah, okay, you got it. It's pouring yeah. rain right now. Yeah, <laughs> I knew I had it. You um, calm me, Drew, dude. Come on. Yeah,
1: honestly, like, I would say, like, fan mail or any type of mail kind of hits different. That's a good one. Yeah, I you think. don't really
2: get that anymore. What do you mean? Like, well, no, I'm saying, like, now it's all, like, text messages and oh, emails. Oh, yeah, all yeah. yeah. Like, getting like, a nice... Like, card getting something the in the mail, mail is, like, kind of fires you up. Unless it's a bill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Unless laughs> then you're like, oh, I'm going
3: to just put this back in the mailbox.
1: Can you come back tomorrow? Yeah. I'd uh, say, uh, my hits
3: different yours. is having a full fridge. Like when you come home from grocery shopping and you just like open it up and you got all your snacks, oh, yeah. fridge full of goodies. That first dinner. Oh, oh man. Yeah. The first dinner is always the go. best. Cause you buy like something good for that night when you're grocery shopping that day. Yeah. And usually, I mean, usually we get salmon or something good. It doesn't have sometime. freezer burn on. Yeah. It <laughs> doesn't sit in the freezer, the deep freeze downstairs for four days. I think I'm going to go with,
1: uh. Having a fire with your friends,
3: that's yeah. nice. That's always tight. We
1: haven't had one of those yet, and we're gonna definitely have to get on that. Yeah, we're gonna yeah. have to find uh, some place to take the wood from. Have a little we'll go backyard, go, wood. go a little, buy a wood. Little backyard shindig. Or at the beach.
2: Remember what? Remember last year when Hammer bought like, I think it was like seventy dollars worth of firewood. Yeah, yeah and, right. and, and like, this guy showed up in a yeah in a pickup Facebook truck market, market and just place. dumped it in our backyard. And we had like wood for like yeah, we literally had days. four fires the that. things
3: you
1: can buy on facebook marketplace eh? just whatever you want it's like amazon yeah <laughs> Literally. And, and sometimes people are like you know what just take it <laughs> <laughs> what's the craziest it's thing like, it's like a hundred dollars like i'll give you two what's the yeah. craziest thing <laughs> you've seen on like amazon what, what's the craziest thing your
3: parents or you have ever ordered on amazon uh, the led car strips for my car <laughs> <laughs> so i look like cash cab when i'm driving around
2: i haven't really like poked around too much on that um but I remember freshman year, we got our – it wasn't Amazon, but on Facebook Marketplace, we got our washer and dryer for free. Some guy was just like, yeah, I want it out of my house. Really? And they work fine. Like, we have had them for three years now. Here? In yeah. Soup? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And we just went and picked it up. And we're, the guy's just like, hey, thanks for taking this. We're like, uh, no, thank you. Yeah, like, thank <laughs> you. It's been saving $400. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I
1: love uh, the, like, the little trinkets and stuff that you can buy on Amazon. Like, when Dave orders, like, he m- m- like got that – it's like a neck – oh my god that, yeah. that when you sit on the couch it holds your phone in front of your face for you oh my uh, yeah, god i was wearing it today <laughs> talking to my mom no way he has though. yeah i was wearing it today or or he's got a thing on that goes on the mirror when you're shaving that sticks to the mirror so that all your hair that you shave off gets caught in it instead of going in the sink
2: like i guess it's kind of smart but like we, just, yeah like really
3: <laughs> <laughs> like that's an invention like yeah like
2: just i mean just put it or like put paper towel down and then flushed down the toilet yeah
1: so the best was when frizz was like some to someone the other day hey i can sell that on facebook marketplace you know i have an account <laughs> and they all look at him. we're like so you have a facebook account <laughs> <laughs> he's like yeah i'm registered on it though like, oh okay whoa, whoa, whoa <laughs> hey whoa <laughs> salesman <laughs> salesman <laughs> look out
2: oh no and then yeah loss had the uh extra air pause he's like yeah i'll sell them for you and then <laughs> we're like kind of chirping them
1: and then when we're waiting for the elevator he dropped them i'm like a half price. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if you see Frizz's uh, AirPods on Facebook Marketplace, just try and negotiate them down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, so before we get into our interview with Chuck and Clint, we'll do some of these questions that we put up on the story today. How about that? Yeah, let's do, uh, yeah. Let's do, it. Let's do it then. All right. Okay, let's do it then. Okay, let's do it then. Okay, let's do it then. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> oh, here's, a, here's a good one to start off nice and easy. All right. White Claws
3: or Truly's? What ah, oh, Trulies? Neither. I don't drink seltzers. Can't do it. They're, you too, just drink, they're too sugary. You just drink non alcoholic beer. Yeah. Remember when he bought those? That one day? Okay. Yeah. Miller, they weren't no. They, or, they weren't non alcoholic. They were
2: two percent. I didn't. I didn't <laughs> notice that. I just noticed the uh thirty beers for twelve dollars, and I was like, perfect, <laughs> right up my alley. Say less. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> hey, uh, you do that
3: credit card thing. Yeah, no. take it.
1: Take, yeah, take my credit card, please um i'm gonna go with i actually don't know if i've ever had like Trulies before
2: no i dude do you remember we had like a bunch of people over and you had that case of Trulies? oh no you you didn't have one because they were close it was like a full case of Trulies, and um one of the people that was over, she, she said she had to go to her dad's softball game the oh, next day. Yeah. And, and like, so she, like, she's saying bye to everyone, whatever. And she picks up your case at Trulies and starts walking out the door and me and you are sitting on the couch and we're like, Hey, uh, where are you going? <laughs> and, and she goes, Oh, uh, my dad has a softball game in the morning. So I'm going to need these. And we're like, we start like dying of laughter and she's like, all confused. We're like, can you put those
1: back? Yeah. Those are <laughs> like, not yours. Like
2: what? Like, oh um, yeah, no, your dad's playing tomorrow. Take him. Take him. <laughs> you need him more than us.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I'd probably go truly Zen because, like you said, uh, white claws gave me gave me trouble at one time. I'm allergic to like red dye. Okay. And I guess I had like a white watermelon white claw, and I looked like a freaking gremlin after. Like I was it like was super bad beet red. Like broke out in hives. Yeah. Was I here? No, no it, was it was our a freshman, freshman year. year. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I was bad. I had a mullet, too at that point. I was that okay. yeah, I was sick actually. You said do again?
3: You blow dried it too. I did, you yeah. can rock a mullet.
1: I could, but then I was also wearing a cut off sleeves <laughs> jean jacket with no shirt underneath, and then cowboy boots with shorts. So I looked like the like. So, so you were looking good. I was looking like saying. Joe Dirt. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty good actually. You're but. looking like that David Spade. Yeah, so I'll go. I'll go with Trulys. I guess that's that's the safest bet. I think. Yeah. They and have like, so many different kinds. What too. did you say? I said Trulys. You said Trulys. Yeah. Okay. But we're big beer guys anyway. Yeah. 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 Okay. Just men. <laughs> okay. Here's a good one. What's your favorite Disney movie? And then the favorite character. Oh, Lion King. And... Scar?
2: No. <laughs> uh, between Mufasa and Rafiki. Rafiki's hilarious. Yeah.
1: I, like I think Timon. everyone loves them. I like Timon and Pumbaa. Those guys, yeah, those guys, guys are beauties. jokes.
2: And then obviously, like, you know, shout out
1: Simba. <laughs> My boy. Just in case he's listening. <laughs> lion king was my favorite growing up yeah that's a classic but uh good tune at the beginning i also too. like uh, monsters inc a lot yeah like i go awesome mike movie. Wazowski or sully or something like that yeah, you can't go
2: out. wrong with like a classic disney movie either
3: i, I never know. really watched like too many of those movies like that i remember like that well so what I'm did you just, just like go...
1: watch inception when you were born this <laughs> <Yeah.
3: laughs> so just not understanding movies <laughs> yeah. right off the bat yeah I honestly, like, I don't remember watching, like, any, like, Lion Kings or, like, nothing like that. Like, I seriously so, don't. So, what'd you do when you were a kid? I played outside. <laughs> I lived in the bush, man. Oh, sorry, to do dude. <laughs> oh, oh, so, I'll, okay, say, dude. I'll say Miracle, and I'll say... Oh, that's a Disney movie, That, that is, is a Disney movie, yeah, yeah. And I will say Herb Brooks. <laughs> Herb Herbie? Um, that's enough, Herb.
1: They're going to get hurt. What about if you could pick a superpower...
3: What would it be? Hmm. Super speed. Super speed.
2: I think that'd be a cool one. Super speed. I'd yeah. say that'd like... be
1: awesome for us because then you can move a little faster. <laughs> <laughs> we're Especially trying to go, go more than somewhere. This. <laughs> yeah, we're going our 12K. Okay, I'll be there at It'd 12, be nice 10. to go out to the car and Johnny would be waiting there for you already. Yeah.
3: Just one time. <laughs> All right, guys.
1: <laughs> what happened today? We were waiting for you in the car on the way to golf. Calling you. I'm like, hey, John, you want to come? <laughs>
3: Off oh yeah, minutes. one second.
1: <laughs> no,
2: teen off on John right now. <laughs> I'd say strength, super strength. You already are super strong. <laughs> what are you talking about, dude?
1: Anyways, Tavern. <laughs> um, I would go with probably being able to fly, or like to like disintegrate people when I look at them, like laser vision. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Imagine,
4: Imagine
3: I want took a turn. Hey, holy shit! Yeah. Imagine
1: laser vision though. Just like eye <laughs> contact. Yeah. Like, if I just exploded your water bottle right now and no one knows what happened, I'm just like, oh. It's just gone. They wouldn't see the laser beam from your eyes? <laughs> or, like, I could pick up cars in front of me on the road just move them over? Yeah. um, Your <laughs> bike.
3: Yeah. yeah, that car not going to work there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that's not going to yeah. do. Especially, like, when you go to the mall, it's, like, full. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Parking spot? Yeah, that's mine.
2: <laughs> put him, you put him in the handicap so he gets a ticket? <laughs> yeah. He gets a ticket. <laughs> do you guys ever double park no 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 you can't do that dude no, no i don't
1: yeah yeah sounds like you do no i was just asking because <laughs> pe- i know people like marty nope. gets a new car and then starts triple parking and stuff
2: yeah he parks <laughs> sideways um, between the lines so i, I, I park in the anymore. farthest
3: spot though yeah
2: no you know what though it's crazy. Do you guys ever like obviously go like go to the mall and, like near christmas time and like, yeah dude sometimes like there's people that like legit triple parked oh, like yeah. they don't even care yeah you know what I mean just, like, just they, like, it's yeah, like I'm, like, man, I'm 100
3: to... bags so I'm gonna need my doors fully open for this yeah
2: so <laughs> like, you know what, I'm just gonna leave my car here whatever happens to it when I come out yeah, I want to know fine. your
1: guys's stance because I heard this argument on another podcast that, we, that we've all listened to if you're in a parking lot and someone is standing in a parking space trying to claim it like not in their car like just standing waiting for someone to come park in it do you think like that's legal or do you just kind of like no that is not okay yeah, you can't do that. I think I'd pull into that. Spot. I think I'd pull right in there
3: too. Yeah,
2: back him up. Yeah, no, I'll give him a couple. Yeah, you back in. You wouldn't even pull in. You'd back in. Yeah, you're <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, like an, an even bigger, bigger middle finger to that so person. So you pretend
1: like you don't see them. You're like, oh, what? what's behind me? Oh, no, no, you. Beep, yeah, you can't do beep. that.
2: That's like that's that's brutal. That's next level. I actually want to know someone that has done that, and just like pick their brain as to why they think that's okay.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, if any of our listeners have ever done that, we'd love to just hear hear your side of it. Because, hear you out, yeah, because because that's to yeah. us. That's a little bit offside. Hey, yeah,
2: no, we're reasonable guys. Like you know, there's always two sides to every story, but I just think that side's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that side's clearly wrong. So there's two sides, but one's right and one's
1: wrong. <laughs> okay, what do we got next here? Um, let's, what's what's oh, we answered that one last week. Um, who's gonna win the gold medal, Team Canada or Team yeah. USA? <laughs> oh, that's well, tight. You you're know, Canadian
2: what? you're Canadian and, and you're I'm Canadian. Canadian, yeah.
1: So, Canada,
2: I think we're gonna to have to go with Canada. Canada, although you
1: know what, although it should be good,
2: it'll be good, and we'll give Team USA some credit. Like, they're obviously unreal and rate right Even there, Russia will
3: probably be good too, yeah. And, and right, Sweden. Sweden. Sweden, yeah. Like, those some, 14, those four or five teams are always like those are
2: always the contenders yeah right there so yeah you know what but, but who just, knows someone else can win this year that's that's the game of hockey anyone could win
1: yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> Two goals is the worst leading hockey now that we're back together what's
1: what is the some pet peeves that we have like people living in the house or johnny coming in every day and leaving without doing anything not cleaning up and all that kind of stuff what, what <laughs> have i had to clean up i don't know man like you were here the other night and I didn't see you for the cleanup in the morning. That's all I'm (laughs) saying.
2: Yesterday was Monday.
1: No, no, I'm not talking
2: about yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't part of the shenanigans on Saturday.
3: Nor was I. I went. I went to bed, dude. Same. I was tired. I wouldn't really say I have any pet peeves right now. None yet. None yet. None yet. I'm sure it'll like once school starts. Like it just gets busier and. Like we just, all, <laughs> all just get busier, and we don't get home from hockey till seven. So then, you just kind of get tired and complacent. Around or that time. like, probably what's going to happen is when it's
2: someone's job to take like the meat out of the freezer, and then like you come back and everything's frozen. Oh. That'll be a pet peeve, guaranteed. Yeah,
3: then you just cook it from frozen. So then you just, eat, for it
2: the best. Yeah. just yeah. eat it cold.
1: Yeah, yeah. Sometimes we do that. Actually, boys, we're not even going to eat tonight. <laughs> yeah. Try this again tomorrow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. We got crackers left. Yep. All right.
1: Sounds good. Yeah. Oatmeal. Sure. Okay. So here's a coming off what we came off last week with the shark and the bear. Oh, we got another good one. This is another one, but it's it's clearly defined. Is it, is it you know? the same person? No, it wasn't Becky this time. Oh, okay. Although she did say thank you for uh, clarifying her question. Yeah. yeah so. No problem, Becky. <laughs> <laughs> um, if all was equal, who would win in a fight? A kangaroo or an ostrich? And then. Say they live in Alaska. Okay, so first of all, they don't live in Alaska. So it's a new environment for both. Of them. Okay, okay. So a new biome. I, I,
2: wait, what, what was it? A kangaroo,
1: <laughs> kangaroo and an ostrich? Yeah. I say an ostrich, I say an ostrich because I
2: heard a sure. rumor. I don't know if this is true or not, but that an ostrich can kill a lion. What? Yeah, look it up.
1: Where did you find that Alan?
2: I heard it on TV.
1: What TV? <laughs> yeah. What I, channel? <laughs>
2: no and those things could book it like
3: 40 kilometers an hour yeah but well, what does that have to do in, yeah but we're assuming because in the question we're assuming everything's equal
1: no yeah living quarters well if we're assuming everything's equal then a the fight should
2: be equal yeah no it's it, 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 <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's equal environment not equal oh, like powers. i'd say kangaroo like, still if, if they're in the,
1: like, uh, a if they're in like a fenced off area where they can't run away because like
2: i'd say ostrich man they'll, they'll, I don't know. A kangaroo what are they jump. Do? Kangaroo jump arms. kick. I don't know, dude. I've never fought a kangaroo ostrich. Legit,
1: kangaroo's legit box yeah. kick.
3: You see the one where they square up, where the kangaroo's got the guy's dog. And he yeah. Goes and yeah, and squares, the guy knocks him. Yeah, he goes and squares up the kangaroo. So
2: if a human could punch a kangaroo and the kangaroo like just freezes, he soaks he... it though. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know what? Good question.
1: I'm gonna go with the ostrich. <laughs> Going with the kangaroo. I'm gonna go with kangaroo. <laughs> I think Johnny's. I think Johnny's a little bit. Uh, I'm a little. I'm a little, little
2: sour right now about this, but whatever.
1: Uh, um.
2: Yeah, and if someone like happens to find that thing about the ostrich and the lion, just let us know.
3: Send Johnny the link.
2: Yeah. DM me.
1: Let's. Let. Okay, so here's an interesting one. What is considered normal in Canada that would be considered horrific in America? Hmm. I think like like if you told i don't know like i was gonna say like Putin or something if you told someone that they had to eat like french fries with gravy and but i guess that's pretty normal now yeah
2: um normal in canada and outrageous in the states i
3: mean we're, I don't know, we're pretty we're, similar
2: yeah, like the countries are so similar. Yeah,
1: it's not like it's like different. There
2: were things that would be maybe
3: normal in the states and outrageous in Canada. I got in a pretty big fight with Dave about what we call pencil crayons. Yeah, that's and cool. he calls them colored pencils, and I say pencil crayons. Yeah, pencil yeah, crayons, I, yeah, yeah. Pencil and crayons. like you have crayons, like the wax ones, and you yeah. have pencil crayons that are the pencil. Yeah, they're pencil. a crayon. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, "Those are colored pencils," and we literally fought for like fifteen minutes.
2: Yeah, no, I remember that. Yeah, I was man. like,
3: "Yeah, it's like, yeah. dude, that makes way more
1: sense." Yeah
2: i don't know so i mean i can't
3: think of of anything that's uh yeah
2: there's nothing that we do that's like i don't know too crazy again if you guys think of something let us know
1: maybe like a maybe like a nine dollar beer when you when you go out that would be considered horrific here yeah like
2: a normal night out where we live is like if you spend 120 bucks at the bar or whatever like that's like oh okay it was cheap like good night whatever average whatever
3: yeah you know here and if that's you only spend like six six drinks <laughs> yeah and
2: like here if you spend thirty bucks guys are like whoa easy on the wallet yeah exactly. hey hey, hey. <laughs> I,
1: don't know, I guess that would be it that'd be mine yeah, yeah probably, probably. Yeah. um okay so one question is uh, walk us through like a typical week when we're playing hockey so if, like
3: Monday to Thursday Monday to Thursday practice yeah. workouts. And then we all have school from nine to, like 3:30, to three thirty four ish, yeah. kind of like the upperclassmen have class later. So, then practice four forty five to six, yeah. And then supper time, and do it all over again the next day, Friday and Saturday are game days. Yeah, usually during the season, everything's very routine
2: based. Yeah, yeah. like we nothing like we have a schedule for legit every aspect of what we do, you you know at and away from the rink. So yeah, uh, it. It's kind of boring, but it's nice to like have that routine and just get in the groove of things. So that's what we're
1: gonna get back at, yeah. Uh, in the next few weeks, yeah, it's yeah. The routine's nice because like you do the same thing, but also at the rink, you're doing different stuff every day. Yeah. So it's not like it's like Groundhog Day where you wake up and you have to do the exact same thing. Yeah. And, yeah. Especially know, with some, classes rotating. Monday, yeah, Some days Mondays you Wednesday might Friday. Some days you might have different stuff for homework or assignments or tests or whatever. Yeah. Which yeah, kind heavy of heavy days and you have light days, but.
2: You know, every week is usually the same. The days differ, but
1: yeah. And then we're gonna try and we have to try and find time to like film our TikToks and all that kind of stuff. We were trying to figure that out the other day.
2: Yeah, that's the other thing about this year is it'll be even you know crazier than the start of last year, obviously, because we didn't have the hockey guys until what November. Yeah,
1: yeah. So yeah. So the hockey guys' first birthday is coming up pretty soon. Yeah,
3: one year. What are we gonna do for it? I have to think of something big. I think we get a cake really or cool. Yeah, cake. Maybe a, uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> what do you get a one-year-old for their birthday?
3: <laughs> Disney movie. Never done but, yeah, that before. Get them the Lion.
2: King. Well, I'll just watch the Lion King. <laughs> uh,
1: okay, I think uh, I think it's time, boys. We have got an hour-long interview. Let's send it over to them. What do you think? Let's do it. All yeah. right, Clint and Chuck coming up right now. Here we go. Uh... All right. Well, we are uh, very, very honored and uh, happy to bring you guys this interview today. We're joined here with uh, two former professional hockey players. Uh, they're both goalies, actually. They're both uh, both Canadian, but they both had uh, very different routes to uh, to playing professional hockey. So we're joined here today by Clint Malarchuk and Chuck Thuss. Welcome.
0: Thanks, guys. Happy yeah. to be here. Yeah. yeah, this is great. Thank you.
1: No problem. Uh, we're we're it's a pleasure to have you guys. It's uh. It's really cool to kind of be able to talk to to people that have been to kind of where we kind of want to get to one day. So, um, you know, it's always an honor to kind of talk to you guys. And, Chuck, we've talked to you before, um, just kind of organizing all this stuff. So we're really excited about it. Um, First of all, I mean, I guess, uh, Chuck, you can go first. We're kind of wondering where you guys guys from originally and how did you guys first get started in the game of hockey?
0: I grew up in southwestern Ontario, fellas, in, in a little place called Arcona, Ontario. And uh, there was, it's about 480 people. I think they claim that there's 600 there now. Um, <laughs> but uh, as you can tell, just a very small farming community and um, about two and a half hours west of Toronto is where Arcona is. And um, I got started playing when I was three. My, my older brother was playing and my, uh, my mother figured that if she was going to lug me to the rink that I might as well be on the rink as well. So uh, I, I kind of, I got the default. I guess because my <laughs> older brother was playing that uh, since he was there, that I was going to start skating as well. And thank goodness she she made that assumption. It was pretty good on her part. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <No doubt.
4: laughs> and Clint, what about you? I grew up in northern Alberta, Grand Prairie, so, uh, about six-hour drive north of Edmonton. So we're getting up there uh, a little bit in long winters. So what do you do in the winter, you play hockey. And usually, well, it was all on the outdoors back then. And I started, I, I couldn't tell you, I, I when I started to walk, they put those bob sked, uh, skates on me, those those two runners. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, you just strap them to your boots, and away you go. So I started, my dad was a goalie, uh, and so was my older brother, seven years, so I just wanted to be a goalie, like the family business.
1: Right, yeah, That's it. that was kind of the next question I had. You guys are both uh, former goaltenders, so I was kind of wondering, like Clint, you kind of answered it there, what kind of, what kind of made you guys want to be, be goalies in the first place? Because we consider that kind of like a crazy position. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, to see, out, um, I, I remember very vividly, although my memory from a lot of things is not great growing up. Um, and whether it's from concussions or, or what it is. But I, I remember very vividly where I played my minor hockey in Forest. And every year near the end of the year, we would have a game and it was the mother son game. It wasn't fathers; it was the mothers would play the kids. And I remember our coach coming in, um, Mr. Verhoeven, and he and he said, "You know, we need a goalie. Does anybody want to be the goalie?" And I just looked at my mom, and I had eyes the size of saucers, and I'm <laughs> like, "Can I do it?" Yeah. Like, if you want, sure, go ahead. Yeah. That was it. I played one time, and I never looked back. It, it yeah. was uh, I was between yeah. the pipes. I played a little bit of Chuck. You you're weird, a goalie, or whatever
4: just being a goal being a goalie you're always looking back <laughs>
0: <laughs> Good point I looked back a lot in my career uh, <laughs> but uh but yeah it, it's I played some rec hockey and some house league and stuff to play out to get my skating better, but um, from that point on, travel hockey was one hundred percent between the pipes, and I wouldn't have had it any other way. you just fell in love with it right then and there right absolutely, and to this day um I'm still a huge goalie guy. I mean, it. Uh, when I watch a game, the, the first thing I do is I watch the goaltenders and and watch what they're doing and and how they're positioning themselves. and And the game has changed greatly from the from when Clinton and I played to when to how these guys play now. And it doesn't take anything away from them. It's just changed a lot.
1: Right?
2: Yeah, yeah you could kind of see that. Like back in back in the day, it was more of uh, pure athleticism as a goaltender, and now it's just all positioning, all the big bodies, and that. Yeah,
4: big, you mentioned big, yeah, they're all, I mean, uh, I was considered a big goalie when I played, and man, I'd just be a peewee now, like, they're 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", you know, and, and at 6'2", you're probably considered uh, on the small small range of today's goalies. For sure. What, uh,
1: I'm kind of itching to ask a bunch of, like, goalies that did back in the day, you guys played in, like, the 80s and 90s, correct? So what do you think about like how the, how the goaltending positions change? Like obviously the equipment's bigger, um, you know, the technology with hockey's grown so much and the nets kind of stayed the same size, obviously. So what do you guys think of all these new, um, new, new style goalies compared to when you guys were playing? Go
0: ahead partner. I'll let you start with that one.
4: Well, I'm, 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 I think 11 years older than Chuck. So he, he, he probably came in when with the butterfly, he probably learned the butterfly where I, uh, it was stand up, play angles, use your reflexes and, you know, be athletic. Um, in fact, sometimes you'd make a save and if you went down, and, but you made the save, they go, well, why did you go down? Well, I made the save coach, you know? So they really stressed to stand up and, you know, be on your feet. And, um, at the end of my career, uh, you know Chuck and I both had a, a goalie coach that we you know the same goalie coach uh he, he was in college and I was in Buffalo playing and his name is Mitch Corn and he really helped me transition my game into more of a butterfly which, which is what you see now they all play that way and uh so you know I caught the end uh, you know the beginning of the uh transition uh, from where everybody w- was a butterfly goaltender. I, I caught the end of that. So I did play the butterfly, I'm proud to say, because my knees uh, are wonky. Uh, you know, I can't sit cross-legged, but I can sit down with my ankles flared out. So I've I actually built uh, hips and knees naturally for the butterfly. So I, I it was like a green light. Oh, man, I can go down. This is great. <laughs> I don't have to play stand-up all day. Yeah. <laughs>
0: It's, um, it's interesting, Clint, that you it, just real quick that you bring up Mitch um, because I remember very vividly when he was coaching me, and, and this just kind of shows you the difference between even when I played in the mid '90s when I had Mitch as my goalie coach. He said, "It's not if you go down; it's when and how." Right. And and there was a method to it even then. But it was you're right, Clint. Even when I was playing juniors, and and every all the coaches just stand on your feet, stand on your feet, stay on your feet. Now the first thing that these guys do, the puck comes in the zone, they're on one knee, they got their paddle down and, and you know, and and they're playing from one knee. So it's, uh, it, it's very, a very different match.
3: Right.
1: Interesting. Um, we haven't, well, Chuck, we t- t- touched on it a little bit last time, but uh, do you guys want to kind of give us a little bit of a rundown on how you guys uh, got to playing pro hockey? I mean, obviously Clint, you played in the NHL. Uh, Chuck, you played in the minors. Um, but you both had very different like routes to getting there. So do you guys want to just kind of touch on that a little bit and kind of let everyone know how you guys got to where you are or where you were? Go ahead,
4: Chuck. You're,
1: uh, you're, absolutely. You're,
4: um,
0: you're the younger guy. You remember more. You go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I I Like I said, I played my minor hockey in Forest, Ontario, and then I went on to play junior B, junior C first, and then junior B. Um, after my season in junior C, I was drafted to the Ontario Hockey League by the Ottawa 67s, I uh, went to camp there. It didn't work out. They sent me back. I, I played junior B. And the following year, I was drafted to the Ontario Hockey League in the expansion draft by the Detroit Ambassadors. And I believe they're now called the Plymouth Whalers. I believe that franchise is. Uh, I went and played there till almost Christmas. And they traded for a pretty well-known goaltender at the time. Freddie Brathwaite was his name. And um, and so I was bumped back to juniors, junior B. And fortunately enough, back then, the late 80s, early 90s, you could petition to the NCAA if you were in a situation like mine where I'd only played a handful of games, and you could petition to get your NCAA eligibility back. And and Miami was willing to do that for me. So I was able to go on and play uh, Division I college at Miami. And while I did not play my first three years, um, Mitch Korn was able to help me. Get my game in order, and and I was able to have a pretty good senior year, which all American. Made me, pardon me, all American. I was yes, I was uh, Miami <laughs> uh, hockey. first ever. pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I was Miami hockey's first ever first team all American. So, um, and, and that awesome. really launched my career. And I, I, I started in the old IHL where where Clint and I actually played against each other. Um, well, he was the coach, general manager, I believe, at that time, right, Clint? I believe and, so of Las Vegas. And I was playing just in in LA for the ice dogs. So um, a little bit of a crooked road to get there, but, um, but nonetheless, I was able to, to attain three quarters or or 90% of my dream. The one part that I didn't was uh, was the part that Clint was able to, and that was to play in the national hockey
1: league. Right, That's awesome though. that's still a great story on, you know, not playing your first three years in college and then your last year kind of coming out of nowhere, really. Um, may not have felt like that for you, but I mean, still that's going from not playing to an all-Americans pretty big jump.
0: Yes. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah.
4: And
1: uh Clint, what about you? Take us through your hockey journey.
4: Well, I you know, I played in, you know, uh growing up, youth hockey, different levels, just graduating, you know, through the age group. And then uh, uh I got uh I got a chance to play for the Fort Skatchan Traders and uh, that was considered well junior age or two. And I think out out, uh, east it's called Junior B, but it's the same level. And uh, then I went on to Portland, played with the uh, Winterhawks there. Uh, First year, I'm draft eligible and I didn't have a very good year. I was homesick and going through, you know, a lot of mental health stuff too. And uh, so the next year I got drafted by the Quebec Nordiques and I started in the American League, which I was fortunate because usually, you'll start in the ECHL or back then there was different names there was Atlantic Coast League. And, and, but I started in the American league and I, my first year I actually got called up uh, to, to, to play in Quebec and uh, first game, uh, second star, pretty good start, you know, um, they played me the next night against the New York Islanders and they were the Stanley cup champions then. And we got some 10 to seven and, <laughs> And the next day I was back in the American league <laughs> and, and, you know, cause it's, 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 you got to learn. And, you know, as you guys know, you, you develop and you keep growing. And so I played a couple of years in the minors, more than a couple, I get some stints getting called up and back down, which is fairly normal. And then uh I think it was 85. I I was in the uh, show to stay um until the end of my career. I played in, I got traded to Washington, then Buffalo and then I finished. Off, as Chuck said uh, you know I finished off my playing career in the minors in the old IHL and became the a coach and assistant GM in Las Vegas and uh, so I made that transition right from being a player uh, into coaching which was really pretty cool you know because I didn't have to go to a different level uh, and work my way up I started coaching at the IHL level which you know at that time it was like the American League well they competed for the same players
1: right. Is, uh, is coaching something that you kind of always thought you'd be doing after you were done playing or was it kind of something that just fell into your lap?
4: Um, it fell into my lap. Definitely. Uh, I was more thinking going in the broadcasting side. Um, you know, I thought, oh, it'd be less pressure. You can enjoy the game more. But uh, the coaching fell into my lap and I, I considered it anyway. So it wasn't like, uh, you know, oh, boy, I'm a coach. Uh, so, yeah, it, I was lucky. And then I, as a coach, I went on to, uh, you know, coach in the NHL for four different organizations as a goalie coach. Uh, coached a couple of years for a few years in the minors at, uh, as a head coach as well. So uh really enjoyed coaching.
1: Okay, cool. And Chuck, did you did you coach at all after you are done I,
0: playing? I did. I, I transitioned very similar to the way Clint did, but I was in the ECHL in Mississippi. And uh, I, I coached for a couple of years there. And then I actually transitioned to the roller game. And wow. I, I coached Team USA on the international stage for five years, um, where I was pretty fortunate to coach at the World Games and uh, the, the World Championships of inline hockey. So, and I, I represented Team USA along with another coach. So that, that was a great experience as well. And, and like Clint said, it, it was, uh, I really enjoyed that part of it. Chuck, um,
4: don't 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 BS us. It wasn't roller hockey; it was roller derby. <laughs> <laughs> Mini Mini it Miller.
0: It felt like, and I can promise you that.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's funny. Um, I, I had a question for Clint. Obviously, um, you had one of the like most famous injuries, kind of in in NHL history with uh with the skate coming up high on you. Um, do you want to just kind of touch on, you know, how that how that came about and kind of how how it was all handled and the recovery from it. And it's kind of like, uh, it's like a signature injury that, you know, kind of everyone in the hockey world kind of knows about.
4: Yeah. That's, that's my claim to fame. I wasn't a very good goalie, but I'm um, remembered at least. <laughs> I <wouldn't> say that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. You know, it was, it was for sure. And I thought it was death. I prepared for death. Uh, thought I had minutes and uh, it was handled great by our trainer, medical trainer, And our team doctors that were, you know, had it not been at a major sporting event, I probably would have died because I had that immediate uh, professional medical attention. So, yeah, you know, and I came back thinking that's the way to do it. Come back as soon as the stitches were out. uh, I was advised not to, but I I was brought up different. Uh, I thought, you know, you get bucked off a horse, you get right back on, face your fear and go straight at it. And that's what I did. Um, I don't regret that. I became kind of a cult hero in Buffalo, even to this day. Uh, I go back and it's, it's amazing. There's even a band there called Malarchak this to this day. And they're not, they're just brutal. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, they, they're heavy metal, so they might be good. I don't know. I, I wouldn't, I couldn't tell you, but, uh, great guys. I met them. Um, and, uh, you know, so anyways, uh, uh, but the thing is I became that hero and remembered and, and supported, uh, by, you know, Buffalo and upstate New all the whole hockey world really supported me. And, uh, it was later on that that injury really, uh, was the demise of my, well, it ended up being the demise of my career because I had undiagnosed PTSD right. and, unt- and untreated and, uh, you know, it took 20 years to get the, get the right help.
1: Right. Um, do you want to just kind of take us? through what, like, what happened in the injury? I don't know, like, obviously there's a video, but maybe take us through it kind of, if you don't mind, from your perspective on kind of what happened.
4: Well, it's a play you see all the time. You know, the puck's in the corner. A guy, you know, on the St. Louis uh, player, you know, beat our guy to the puck and passed it right across the top of the crease to a guy charging the net, and he got pulled back by kind of my defense lost balance, and his feet came uh, forward and up. And, you know, he's falling on his back and I was coming across in the butterfly <laughs> that I just learned. And uh, mm-hmm. um, that's where the skate just, uh, you know, caught my neck and, you know, like it was, oh, my God, I'm I'm going to die. And Terry Gregson, the head ref, I was looking down and his eyes were huge and he goes, get a stretcher. He's bleeding to death. He's going to die. And I'm like, Oh, great. Just confirm what I'm thinking. <laughs> and a lot of people thought I was pretty heroic about getting up and skating off the ice on my own power. But a uh, couple of factors uh, about why I did that. Number one, my mom was watching the game on TV back in Canada on the satellite. And um, number two, I thought I'm not waiting for a stretcher. I've got, I got mitts here like literally. And so I, I'm, not, I'm not waiting. I'm getting off. So, That's why I got off and people looked at that as, wow, he got off on his own power and kind of, you know, just the way thing. Then I came back so quick. I was back in 10 or 11 days and, you know, it kind of evolved into this uh, uh, love relationship uh, with me and Buffalo and and vice versa, you know, and, uh, you know, that, uh, but like I said, that injury undiagnosed diagnosed PTSD was the demise of my career few years, a few years later, and I went to the miners, and but I did get help and, um, you know, it was a long battle of different medications and uh, therapies and, and things like that. And, you know, it was all pretty private too. I, I mean, I've, I've wrote about it in my book extensively, but at the time, uh, those things were always kept, uh, you know, under lock and key.
1: Right, yeah, that's kind of the next thing we kind of wanted to move into. Obviously, you both are very big advocates for for mental health and, you know, reaching out and getting help if you need it. Um, Clint, you kind of mentioned it, it wasn't that big of a, you know, when you, if people were suffering from mental health back in the day, it was kind of something that kind of got swept under the rug or maybe kept in private, which is kind of unfortunate. But do you guys want to kind of touch on um, both of your mental health uh, trials and um, kind of touch on what you guys are doing now?
0: Go ahead, Chuck. Absolutely. And, and thank you guys for the opportunity to share this. Um, as I look back, and, and I think probably Clint, you and I have talked about this a number of times. Um, when we played in the, in the 80s and the 90s, um, nobody really knew what mental health was or they didn't, they didn't address it. So we certainly didn't know what was going on. But uh, I look back at it when I was a kid. I was a kid that always needed to know everything, what was going on. Am I going to make the A team or the B team? How's my season going to look? What's my goals against going to be? How many saves am I going to make? I mean, I needed to know it all. And 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 I look back and I would get like way ahead of tryouts. I would be very, very anxious. And I thought I was just excited to play like the hockey season's coming. And I was just excited. Well, um, that really continued all the way up and, and it really started to show was probably in college. Uh, and, and funny enough is it wasn't in on the ice. It was in the classroom. Uh, I really struggled taking tests. Um, I, I would study, I would do my homework. I would be on top of everything. I would know it. I would go in and not be able to take the knowledge from my brain and put it on the paper. And, and my professors and I couldn't figure out why, like, cause I would verbally, I would go into their office during office hours afterwards. And, and I would verbally talk through all the information. They could ask me any question they wanted and I could answer it. And, and they were as just a, like as astounded as I was that I couldn't actually put it on paper. Um, and after I left Miami and started playing pro uh, it started to find its way into my game. I would get sick before every game I started um, whether it be in the garbage can or in the toilet. And everybody just thought that was just Chuck's of being ready to play. Right. And, and nobody ever questioned it. And actually one night I actually had a panic attack after warmups. And again, I was taken on a gurney. I was in my goalie gear. I had straps and things all over me and, um, you know, they're monitoring all kinds of stuff and spend the night in the, in the hospital to find out in the morning, there's nothing wrong with you. And, and, it was just, you know, nobody said anything. And, um, after I retired, it just, it, it found its way into my personal life. Um, I started to live 24 hours a day, seven days a week with anxiety and, um, and, and then came its best friend depression and, um, and OCD kind of followed it. I started to turn off light switches, you know, eight, 10, 12 times, because until it was perfect, I'd have to line my feet up perfectly every time I took my shoes off. And uh, I did did all kinds of crazy stuff. And um, even now, like Clint and I will talk, like everything's got its place. If it's not in its place, we just, we feel out of sorts and we feel out of whack if it's not, if everything's not one, two, three and ABC. And, um, but in in 2008, uh, I hit rock bottom for sure. And, um, I was prepared to take life because I was not uh, willing to live the way I was living anymore, full of anxiety, full of depression. And I just saw no way out. Um, I didn't know that anybody else would be dealing with what I was dealing with. And, um, I was going to drive my truck into a guardrail at 85 miles an hour, um, because I had just had enough and I was going to make it look like an accident. Hopefully, um, that that was going to be the story, maybe a tire blue or whatever. Fortunately. Um, to this day, I, I say that God had me pull over cause there was no other way that I was, I, I wasn't going to do it myself. I can tell you that I was, I was headed for that. That's where I was going. And, and, um, I, I think God had me pull over and call for help. And, um, and it's been quite a journey. And, and for the longest time, guys, it took me about eight years to really start to heal and get to a spot where I could talk about it. And uh, my parents never knew. My family didn't know. The only people that knew was my wife and the lady that I called that saved my life. And um, and and now I've realized that, you know, for many, many years, I, I cursed my journey. I didn't know why I was the one on this journey and why me, why me? Um, and then one day I kind of had an epiphany, I guess you would say. And, and I realized that uh, I'm very grateful to be on this journey because I get to meet Guys like you, I get to be best friends with guys like Clint Malarchuk. And uh, and that's a huge blessing. And I get to do the work that I'm doing now with with athletes and, and people and 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 just let people know that it's okay not to be okay and to to encourage them to ask for help and be the guy on the other end of the phone they do. So um, like I said, for the longest time, I cursed my journey. And, and now I can assure you that every day, I thank God that he chose me for the journey that I'm on. And I'm very grateful for it.
3: Absolutely. Yeah,
1: that's, that's crazy. Thank you very much for sharing that. Uh, You know, that's not an easy thing to share and we appreciate you uh, spread your message. Um, Clint, do you want to kind of touch on, on your journey through it as well?
4: Sure. Um, You know, I struggled as a kid and I don't know if it was mental illness or an abusive alcoholic father, maybe one caused the other. I don't know. Um, but I was hospitalized young and I had severe anxiety and depression. I was hospitalized, I don't know, 10 or 12 years old and two months. And they just sedated me. There was no real therapy or anything. And they turned me loose, telling my mom, okay, you got a real anxious kid. Good luck. So we've come a long way since those days for sure. But, uh, I, I, I struggled with OCD, uh, you know, like Chuck mentioned, um, you know, same sort of scenarios, uh, contamination issues, uh, counting, um, you know, the counting didn't really bother me too much because I could only do 10. And, uh, (laughs) so it it was other, other things, but, you know, I struggled. It was never diagnosed just a lot of anxiety and depression. And, you know, I just thought, okay, I, maybe I just take things too, too much part or, uh, whatever. But after the injury in Buffalo, um, I started to really have big OCD. It was hard for me to leave the house. I'd clean the house before practice. So I'd get up at, you know, three in the morning if I had to. Um, you know, there was other, other severe anxiety, panic attacks, and then I was starting to have flashbacks of that skate. And uh, I went days without sleeping, eight to ten, I can't remember, but uh, because I would have that flashback, and it was not just a bad nightmare or a bad dream. It was reliving that trauma. Heart pounding, sweating, um, and I, I didn't tell anybody. But then, after about uh, eight or ten days of that, uh, we had a Super Bowl party at our captain uh, Pat Lafontaine's house. I didn't stay very long because I'm overtired, sleep deprived. I'm, I'm suffering through all this other other symptoms, and I went home. And uh, I, I there was a uh, I was on some painkillers, although I wasn't taking them. And I, this time I did, I said, do not drink with alcohol. We'll make you drowsy. And with my not clear thinking, I took, I don't know, five or six. I don't, it wasn't like I drained the bottle or anything, but I did drain a bottle of scotch because I wanted to sleep desperately without the nightmare. And next thing I know, I wake up at the, in, in Buffalo hospital and uh, they, they were wondering if it might've been a suicide attempt and it wasn't, but I disclosed to a psychiatrist there, everything I was going through. And that was the first time I got diagnosed with mental illness, you know, depression, panic attacks, OCD, um, you know, but uh, PTSD was never brought up. I don't think it was a set of words back then. And if it was, it was just for the military. So uh, that began uh, my journey of different drugs, different medications, all these different therapies, different doctors and nothing was working. And my play really started to decline and uh, I got sent to the minors and uh, at uh what at, at, at kind of one point in my thinking I was like I'm devastated I'll, I, I'm done with the NHL but on the other the other side I, I was like I don't care I really don't care because I'm so sick in my head first game in the minors it was in San Diego in the IHL and uh I let in uh four goals on six shots and even for me that's not very good and uh so I got pulled and I spent the next two uh, periods on the bench, just crying. put a towel over my head. I was crying my eyes out. I went into the coach after, uh, Rick Dudley, and I said, I, I'm done. I'm done. He goes, oh, that's one bad game. Don't worry about it. Got, I said, Rick, you don't understand. Rick was under the impression I'd just come down to get my game conditioning. and I'd go back to the NHL. He didn't know how sick I was up there uh, in my head. And he said, we'll get you help. And I'm like, yeah, well, I've already I've had three years of this. So he did get me into a specialist. And he was a renowned specialist, the leading uh, doctor in the country on mental illness at the time, and especially with OCD. And uh, he, he put me on some medication. And in six weeks, I was like, oh, my God, is this what it feels like to be normal? And um, at nine weeks, I was I was the, the OCD in my head uh, disappeared. And I was just, I resumed my career and then got into coaching and I did really, really good for about uh, 14, 15 years just taking this medication. And, um, you know, in pro sports, uh, you know, you got a team doctor. So over all those years, I was just getting my prescription renewed from the team doctor. I wasn't checking in with uh, my my psychiatrist or, uh, you know, I just thought I'd just take this And over time, uh, the medication started to not work. Uh, My body got immune to it. And that's what led up. uh, Chuck mentioned that year, 2008 for him. It was 2008 for me where I went behind the barn and shot myself and uh, put the gun under my chin and pulled the trigger. And uh, uh, the bullet knocked out a couple teeth, ricocheted, hit my, uh, through the sinus and stuck, uh, it got lodged in my skull. And it's still there. But that was uh, where I got sent to a treatment facility after I got held, uh well physically. And I was there six months. And that's when I got healthy. I got on medication again. And um, um, that started my journey to helping others. I wrote a book. And I had no idea that there were so many Clint Malarchuk's out there. I, I knew there was people that suffered. But, you know, we always think we're the only one or, or we're the worst one. And I was getting all these emails from people saying, thank you, you're my twin, thank you. Uh, I'm gonna go get help now, thank you. I was living in darkness and silence like you you mentioned in your book. And that led into my speaking career and, uh, you know, advocacy and uh, the podcast that Chuck and I do, it, it centers around perseverance, courage, and mental health. And uh, we have a variety of guests, some hockey, some are the guy or gal next door. Some are uh, military veterans that know all about PTSD. So uh, Chuck and I have uh, collaborated on that. And we've also got some uh, more irons in the fire that we're, you know, we're coming out with a, I don't know if you would call it a seminar or, or whatever, but it's going to be an online uh, feed where people can join and, you know, we can kind of uh, help each other and support each other.
1: Right. Yeah. Thank, firstly, thank you very much for sharing that both of you guys. That's, that's awesome that you guys are able to share that with us and our listeners. Um, John, you got some?
2: Yeah. I, I, you know, like Taver said, you know, thank you guys like that, you know, it's not easy talking about that stuff. Uh, You know, it's really got to come from down deep and uh, you know, it's an emotional topic for sure. Um, I wanted to ask though, when, when you guys were going through this battle, in your playing days when you guys were on the ice, was that, was that like your happy place, like in the game? Cause like goalie, like that's the most focused position on the ice. Like that,
4: uh, that, 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 that was, uh, I could, I could, I, I certainly can relate to that. Um, leading up to the game. I was OCD. It was just once the puck was dropped, that was my freedom. And then I would have maybe like, if we had a game the next night, I might have an hour or two of a reprieve from my OCD. And then it would start building again because the stress of, of sports, you know, us as being athletes, um, you know, it, there's stress involved and stress is not our friend when you have OCD or depression, anxiety, any of those things. And I'm sure, uh, uh Chuck can say probably exactly what I said.
0: Absolutely fellows. And I remember, I remember well, like lead, leading up to a game, even the day before I, I would prefer that my coach did not tell me if I was starting. Um, if he told me, you know, either the morning of, or even when I got to the rink, I was in much better shape. Uh, But if he told me the day before uh, it kicked in the anxiety, everything kicked in the night before Um, my regiment. I mean, if I got off my regiment, I'd be like, Oh my God, I'm going to, I'm going to be awful tomorrow night. Um, You know, it was, it was crazy. The mind games that went on, but once I stepped on through those doors and I stepped onto the ice, it was almost like just everything was lifted. And, and it was like, all right. You know, it's all good, especially once they dropped the puck. Um, you know that then it was that was just my happy place, and there was not a care in the world uh, until after the game, and then I would get undressed, and and it would kick in because my stall had to be exactly a certain way, my laundry had to be put in my laundry bag an exact certain way and put in the hamper a certain way in a certain spot, and I had to shower a certain way, and I could only drink so much liquid, and I, I, I mean. The, the, the stuff that went on after the game as well, uh, I look back and just think to myself how exhausting it was and, and how nice it would have been just to be able to just play all the time and not worry about all the extracurriculars because I think it, it took a lot of my energy away from from the on-ice.
1: Right. Yeah, a
2: thousand percent. And, and do you guys also think, you know, through mental illness, you guys touched on it earlier, you know in, in hockey and especially back then in the 80s and 90s you know it was more of like oh you know shake it off this and that right and do you, do you guys think the the hockey culture um of you know be a man be tough all this stuff um contributed
4: to the mental illness well not just that being a goalie you're supposed to be the mentally the most mentally tough uh on the team because you have the uh, the most pressure to win or lose a game, and uh, so they, you know, there's that stigma for sure uh, being a male athlete, and uh, uh, you know, and and I just magnify it, just magnified being a goalie. Uh, I think Chuck, you
0: could probably agree. Yeah, absolutely, and and I do think that you know the, the way that the culture was back in the and 90s. Um, you, I know for me, if I had known. What was going on? I, I still don't think I would have said anything um, because if you did, uh, it probably, you were going to at least traded, sent somewhere, so that team didn't have to deal with it. Yeah. Um, and, and 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 I don't look and blame the teams or or the culture because that's just how it was. Yeah. And I, I'm more I'm more grateful that it's starting to change. Um, I think we have a long way to go. Um, but it's starting to change and people are starting to have compassion for people that are struggling and they're wanting to help. And, and there's people stepping up and, 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 you know, Clint's really, I I often look at him and I say that he's, he's the leader. He was, he was the guy that kind of broke the ice initially. And, um, and thank goodness, because it's, it's made for a lot easier journey for a lot of guys. But, uh, but as you guys know, we've still lost way too many guys, in our game um, that just, you know, didn't see light at the end of the tunnel.
4: And yeah. and on, on that note, Chuck, um, you know, you guys play on the team sport and, uh, you know, I don't know how many uh, players you carry in college, but I'm I'm guessing 20 to 23 or something like that. A
1: um, little more than that, but yeah.
4: <laughs> okay. Well, that's that, even better for my point. I guarantee you, I guarantee you hundred percent that there's guys in your locker room that are struggling to what degree i don't know but i guarantee you you got to look for that you get you know and and some of the symptoms you got to remember too there's a uh, chuck and i know a, a college kid that was um uh drinking and self-medicating you know he was uh, so my point is there's a huge correlation one of the signs to look for is addiction um because it it if you're struggling with mental illness, you'll do anything to get out of that or numb that. And uh, a lot of times alcohol or drugs is the answer. So there's something if you got a guy that, you know, it seems like he overdoes it a lot. uh, um, You know, he's not just partying, maybe he's self-medicating, trying to get out of his head and misery. So be on the lookout. I mean, it's your responsibility as teammates to pass the puck and receive the puck, but it's also in that locker room and in your lifestyle and in your dorms where you know, I'm telling you right now, a fact, you know there's people out there, you're going to walk by them in the hallway in your dorm. You're going to walk by them in, in your locker room. And so they're struggling, and they're doing it in silence and in darkness. And you can be the lifesaver or the life changer by being a good teammate. And, uh, you know, it's not always what you say. It's just being a good listener. And sometimes two big words to say is me too, because we all can relate to it. Especially in sports, you know, the pressure brings out that in us. And so you can actually say me too. I know what it's like. Um, You know, people come from different backgrounds, uh, broken homes, abusive uh, father, like my dad. And it sets them up for uh, mental illness or emotional distress. So be that teammate. Um, Be that guy. um, Because it'll be the greatest reward uh, that you can you'll ever receive is helping somebody to get the right help or to be that listener. You don't have to give advice. Uh, but you can always say me too, if you can relate to something that, that somebody might share with you, the hard thing is to, is to let them know that it's not a weakness to struggle. Right. It's not a weakness. It's a sickness. Right. And once people realize that it's a sickness and they're not weak. I mean, I look back, I thought it was mentally weak. I played in the NHL with the highest level of pressure, but I also played in the NHL with mental illness. So I had to be double tough mentally. I didn't right. think so at the time, but I look back now and I go, wow, how did I do that? Yeah. Um, how, how did I hide it? <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> and, and I wish that I would have got help sooner.
2: No. And you know what I, we, We've said it a bunch of times already, but again, thank you guys, and thank you for being pioneers in the raising the awareness and the development of treatment for mental health and talking about it and sharing
4: your stories. Well, thanks for having us. This is great. To follow up thank on, you. On
3: those stories, there, I just wanted to kind of ask that you guys, since you guys like battled through it all and you guys are advocates now, like, what is one thing that you would have told your younger selves? battling through this now that you've seen it through?
0: I think the one thing that comes to me right away is I think I would have made myself more of a priority. Um, I put everything in front of mildness, you know, the team, um, my workouts, my training. And I think that, and what I mean by that, I don't mean being selfish, but I mean being selfless, and, and probably taking better care of myself to to have more downtime to to cherish and to um, just take care of me because I don't think I did a very good job of that um, when, when I was playing professional um, i was I was so worried or so so dialed in to making it that I was willing to do just about anything and and I think that led to Probably some of the the issues, um, you know, that I had the, the the anxiety and the depression because I was so willing to do anything and I didn't put myself first and my and my health first. So I think that's probably what, what I would do. All
4: right. I, I don't think I could have done anything different because I, I mean, yeah, I did suffer and and was in silence, but. You really had no choice back then. There was no counseling. There was no team. Uh like now they have sports psychologists. A lot of teams now have a a psychologist or a counselor that, that is confidential for a player to go there. The team's not going to know that they're not going to hear about it and go, oh, he's weak. Uh, you know. So, you know, I I just think if there was those things available when I was, you know, playing, I I would have used them. I, I would eat them, you know, uh, anonymity and all that. Uh, I would, I, I would have went and got help. And uh, so the good thing is that we've come a long ways that, you know, now we do have these things available for our athletes and students and, and even in business, our HR departments. Uh, um, but it's all about anonymity and it's because of the stigma people right away will judge. If you got, if you got, uh, if you're diagnosed with cancer, you're going to have to go tell your boss And your boss is going to say, oh, my God, uh, what can we do? Take time off, work at home, don't work, whatever. We support you. But if you've got mental illness, you're probably not even going to go tell your boss. Right. Because you're going to be prejudged as, oh, is he crazy? Is he postal? Is he, you know, um, unstable? You know, the stigma is is... so the anonymity of being able to have, uh, you know, help uh, accessible um, and no one knows that that's important. I think really important. Definitely. Absolutely.
1: Um, so kind of lighten it up a little bit. Um, obviously, thank you guys for sharing your stories. Um, but you guys obviously played pro hockey for, for – you guys had each year individual careers for, um, you know, 5, 7, 10-plus years. Um, we just kind of want to hear, you know, if you have any funny stories that stick out or, you know, your favorite memory of playing pro hockey or, or hockey in general, if you guys have any uh, have any good ones for us.
4: I've got a million. I've got a, yeah.
0: say <laughs> but, I've got several. I don't know how deep you want us to get into it. give us one each of your best ones. Go ahead, Chuck. I think the one that probably comes to mind for me, um, I was playing in, in in one that's suitable to share. I was playing in Mississippi <laughs> and um, in, in the coast, and we were in the finals against the Richmond Renegades. Game seven. And we had, we had battled them because they went up three games to one. We had battled back to tie it. We went home for game seven and uh, Bruce Boudreaux at the time was my coach. You guys probably know Gabby coached in the NHL for years. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and and I remember Richmond had a player by the name of Trevor Sen and and Trevor was probably about five, six, but I mean, tough as a bag of nails. I mean, this kid would throw him with anybody. He didn't care who it was. And, (laughs) And, and I had a tendency to be a little mouthy when I wasn't playing. So um, so I was I was leaning over the bench, and I'm giving it to Trevor Sen. He's probably about five feet from me. And, and, and if you can think up the lines, I probably said it to him. Uh, oh, yeah. Because it yeah. was game seven, and I was trying to get this kid off his game and rattle him. And, and I was just nonstop for probably two minutes. Nah, I say two minutes, maybe 45 seconds, because it was almost his whole shift. Yeah, And at the end of his shift, he backed up and he came, to, came over and he was he had his butt kind of almost against the boards and I'm just right in his ear now. I'm thinking, oh, this is perfect. This is in my wheelhouse. I'm just right in his ear, just giving it to him. And I remember him looking left and then he looked right and he turned around and he one-punched me right in the nose and he <laughs> sat, me, sat me right down. My eyes started watering and and, and he looked at me and he just went, just shook his head like this. And all the guys on the bench were just in awe what happened. And, and the kind of the funny part about it was, is I was getting married six days later. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> so Double I was like, eyes. you know, yeah, I'm wondering, am I going to have a, a broken nose, two black eyes for my wedding? Thank goodness. I didn't. Uh, but I will never forget Trevor send hooking me with a tight left. And he just sat me right down and watered my eyes. And, um, and Did that shut day, you up after
1: that? Pardon me? Did that shut you up after that a little oh, bit? God, no, no. <laughs> chance.
0: Um, that That's one thing that I, I probably, as much as playing more than anything, I, I miss the chirping. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, do. <laughs> I, I like to say I was pretty good at it.
2: Yeah, we we always say that. It's like between the one-liners in the dressing room before and after practice or even on the ice, you know, you hear a guy, a good chirp, you know, one of your teammates, like, just giving it to the other guy. Like, it's always a good laugh, and it's all in good fun. I often word.
0: say, and I've said this to many people, you know, fans want to know what's going on. What are guys saying? I'm like, there's no, there's not microphones over the benches for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah. Got that right. <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: yeah. Uh, Clint, do you have one you, you comes to mind that you'd like to share with the boys? Well,
4: I, I think the most outrageous one was, uh, I was playing with Washington and there was only 21 teams in the NHL back then. And the furthest South team was L.A and usually when you went to LA if you're on the east coast uh you you went there for 5 days and what teams would do they go golfing they do team building well we went, we took a puddle jumper to uh Palm Springs for a golf uh uh team building deal and and uh anyways uh th- we were telling the guys Dale Hunter and I were both you know kind of cowboys and we were thought well we should take take the guys out some of them never really rode a horse or anything so we had them all in the, yeah, we'll go on this trail ride and everything. So, uh, uh, anyways, they lost their luggage. So the guys were, you know, we're in suits and ties and they're not going to go golfing in the suit and tie. And Dale and I said, well, screw it. We're going to still go rent some horses. And so we, we went and got these horses and we, you know, uh, we got our ties around our head. I mean, it's hot. And, uh, (laughs) we had saddlebags full of beer and we're out for a while. we're up on this big ridge, and we looked up on the golf tournament or the golf course, and the players the, obviously the bags had, had arrived because they're all out there golfing. And so Dale and I rode down there, and we're riding up and down the fairway, and we're stealing the pins out of the greens and we're jumping <laughs> and uh, you know tearing up the course. And you know we didn't know the golf etiquette or anything. <laughs> this, guy, this guy was chasing us in a golf cart, and it said Marshall on the he was the golf marshal. and We're shooting at them with our fingers and and you know so anyways yeah. uh when we had to return our horses the cops were waiting for us there and we had to pay some damages and oh, but, but I'll tell you what the guys got the biggest kick out of us ripping up and down the fairways on horses
0: oh, <laughs> oh but, uh, that's hilarious yeah
2: it's stories like that that that'll never die <laughs> that's like the best part about the game is just you know doing stuff like that with the boys and all that um Clint, I wanted to ask you, in, you know, you mentioned uh, Hunter there, and but you played with some notable players like Dave Andrew Chuck, uh, Napier, Rick Five, and uh, Rob Ray, Statsny.
4: Uh, any stories about those guys? Well, <laughs> yeah, I got stories about everybody. But I, would, <laughs> I, I would say Dale Hunter was the biggest prankster, though. I mean, he, uh, uh, you know, just always little stuff, little things. he clean his ears with two... Uh, Q-tips after you know in the in the locker room and then he'd put it back in there and it'd be a big chunk in back in the good t- Q-tips and somebody would pick one out and go oh my god and you know um, uh, ba- baby powder in the hair dryer and the guy would turn around you know just always uh, always he always had pranks and uh, you know Vaseline on a back then we didn't have cell phones so we'd go from room to room and talk and everything and. I do the distracting and he put Vaseline on the on the receiver of the phone. Then we go and we call that room and the guy would go, you can hear him go, ah, man, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, we used to do, uh, you know, we flew commercial quite a bit back then. So we killed time in airports. One of our favorites was uh, you take a piece of thread or fishing line. We always came prepared for this and you tie a do- dollar bill or even a five dollar bill and you throw it out there. And when somebody goes bend over and pick it up, you start pulling it. And, uh, I remember Randy Moeller in Quebec where I was with him in Quebec. Well, they, we, and there was this big, big heavy-set Samoyan lady with about five kids and she saw a $5 bill and she, she didn't quit following as, as Randy's pulling it in. She kept chasing it and he pulled it right up to his chest and she started wailing on him <laughs> and he's like, here, take the money, take the money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's an extra hundred. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, so, just to finish off here, you guys mentioned uh, you guys have a podcast as well that kind of touches more than, like the mental health and perseverance side of things. You guys want to just kind of plug that quickly, so uh, if anyone of our listeners is interested, they can go check that out as well.
4: Yeah,
0: check some more elegant, eloquent speaker. So I'll let him do that. <laughs> well, thank you, and, and we appreciate it. And our, our podcast, like Clint mentioned earlier, is called Warriors Unmasked, and and we are on Apple and and all the different platforms as well. and uh, you can check us out at warriorsunmask.com, but, uh, but like Clint mentioned, you know, we like to really put a spotlight on people that have had really courageous and, and persevering careers and, and that they've de- dealt with mental health and, um, or mental illness. And, you know, some of the stories that we've come across ha- have really affected Clint and I, and, um, we're, we're somewhere in the 35 to 40 range on number of episodes. And, and I dare say that, you know, say if it's 40, I dare say that 35 of them have brought Clint and I to tears um, because we can just relate to the journeys and, and that what the people are sharing with us is so inspiring. Um, and that's really what we try to do with our podcast as well is just bring hope and inspiration to people that are listening, that they too know that they're not alone and um, that there's people willing to stand ready and help and that they have it within them to persevere and make it through to the other side as well. So we appreciate you guys and your willingness to, uh, to have us on today and to share the podcast that we're doing as well. So thank you.
1: Yeah, no, thank you. It was a pleasure having you guys on. I guess we'll wrap it up here. And again, thanks guys for, for joining us today. And uh, we're looking forward to getting this one out. No,
4: thanks Thanks for having us.
1: Thanks guys. Thank you. Uh... All right. Well, uh, you know, that was uh super super uh interesting episode. You know, we touched on a lot of things, um, you know, some more heavy hitting topics than we've discussed on this podcast previously. So hopefully everyone enjoys it. Um, what did you guys think of it? No, I thought it
2: was awesome that those guys came on and shared their stories, which you know, I we thanked them as many times as we could because, you know, they deserve to hear that and uh you know that can't that can't be easy you know what I mean talking about it like mm-hmm. you know I, I know the three of us got emotional and you could kind of see those guys getting a little bit emotional too like talking yeah. about it and all that and that was such a difficult period in their lives and for them to share that with us and our listeners you know I if much you know, respect that it is really and you know they they really uh they really touched us and we hope they uh touch the uh, listeners too
1: yeah. yeah I think like during the interview is from a from an inter- interviewing perspective it was almost like hard to redirect the conversation after such heavy topics like obviously it takes a lot for someone to to open up like that but um those guys have been through it all and and, and now and now they're, they're advocates for it and trying to trying to make a make good out of kind of a tough situation in their lives so um i guess one thing that they said they told us to, to do if if we think someone's struggling or just even if you know, we think someone needs to hear is just to tell them that we're always here to listen and, um, you and know, whatever they need too. to help. And so I think that that's something that everyone listening, you know, us, anyone really could take and try to implement into their lives to try and help out. And if you're struggling yourself then you know, it's definitely, it's definitely okay not to be okay. And you can always reach out to, you know, anyone in your support group, you know, even shoot us a DM We're we're happy to listen at any time. So um, I think that's one thing that we learned from that interview. Yeah, yeah, no,
2: a thousand percent. And the, the best part about talking to those guys too, is, you know, it's like talking to anyone that's played hockey and, and no matter, like they're obviously a lot older than us, but it doesn't matter like your age and everything, like talking to like a hockey guy, yeah. it's just like two it, professional
3: it, athletes too. Like it it's just and it was... like you,
2: it doesn't matter what level you played. Like you all go through the same thing. Right. Oh, yeah. And that, that those ups, those crazy ups and downs that the sport mm-hmm. can bring. But you know, it's, there's a lot of ups and a lot of downs and uh yeah but it's like everyone is it, it's so they're so relatable right right and uh but yeah like talking to just talking to hockey guys is like it's so easy going you can just uh, shoot the shit with them and all that like you know i'd love to go for beers with those guys one day like yeah, you know what i mean like definitely really yeah. really easy going guys and yeah just a couple beauties
1: another thing is like it's cool to to hear, hear that, but, like, at the same time, it makes you realize that everyone can struggle no matter what position in life you're in, right? Like, if, like, like, Clint, for example, played in the NHL at the highest, like, possible level for hockey, and yet he yeah. was still, you know, fighting off his own individual demons, mm-hmm. and, you know, he was able to overcome it, thankfully. Um, And, you know, now he's here to kind of spread his message. Same with Chuck as well. Like, yeah, they're both 100%. huge advocates. So, um, obviously, uh, if you have any... Um, you know, troubles, it's definitely a good thing to reach out and yeah, we're going to, we thank those guys for their interview and their time and, you know, definitely on the road, we'll have them on again and um, see what they're up to.
3: Yeah.
1: All right. Well, I think that was a good episode, eh, boys?
3: Damn good episode. All right. Oh yeah.
1: We'll wrap it up and we'll see everybody next week. Thank you as always for tuning in. Cheers, fellas. See ya.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, see you later. (laughs)